Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Looking forward to being God's word with you tonight. Guys, it's really easy to be distracted, is it not? I mean, there's a reason I asked you to get a copy of God's word because if you're like, oh, I'll do it on my phone, well, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get a notification. Oh, someone liked my Instagram. Oh, someone shared my TikTok. And you're going to go look and then you're going to get distracted and you're going to be scrolling and you're not going to be paying, paying attention to God's word. Sometimes, raise your hand if this has ever happened to you. Man, I got good intentions. I'm going to wake up early in the morning. I'm going to roll out of bed. I'm going to read God's word. It's going to be a great time. You roll over and then you hear it. Oh, snap. Somebody texted me. You're like, oh, 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 okay, cool. And you just start scrolling and you get stuck on your phone and you never read your Bible. That ever happened to anyone in this room, right? It's probably happened to all of us. It's so easy to get distracted in this world. It's so easy to get distracted in the classroom when you're trying to, trying to spend time with the Lord. Guys, the overall aspect of our, our message tonight is pay attention to the message. That's the, the title of the message. Pay attention to the message. And the overall thing that I want you to understand as we talk about this idea of the message of Jesus is that the message of Jesus has glorious benefits, but it has a horrendous consequence if we do not pay attention. The message of Jesus has a glorious benefit, and that's salvation, his presence with us through the Holy Spirit. But if we do not pay attention to it and heed it, there's a horrendous consequence that will result. So let's go to the, let's go to the Lord as we open his word. God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your living and active word. God, would you speak to it, to us tonight? Would you speak to our hearts? And would we be obedient to what you have called us to? And would you gain our attention and, and focus us? It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first point I have for you tonight is this. Pay attention to Jesus. Pay attention to Jesus. Write it down if you've got sermon notes. Pay attention to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 2, verses, just verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift from it. All right, you guys are English scholars. You guys have heard me probably say this before. When you see a therefore, what do you say? What's it there for? Ah, good one, Dylan. All right, therefore, what's it there for? It's meant to connect what was right before this passage with the passage we're in right now. So therefore, it's connecting chapter 1 and the message we see there to what's, about, what, to what's about to happen in chapter 2. So we see last week, Jesus is greater than the angels. And let me just do a quick aside. Me and Brittany, uh, we're closing down the night last week, last Wednesday, and I, I kind of was like, dadgummit, I forgot to say something. Uh, we talked a little bit about angelology and kind of diving deep into that. One thing I did not say that is a popular belief among a lot of people, I don't know if you believe this, but a lot of people believe once you die, you turn into angels. You get your wings. Let me just tell you this, that's not true. You do not turn into angels, right? It's a wonderful life, it's a great movie, you, that, that's, not what, that's not what it is. We learned last week that angels are created beings. We don't die and then morph into an angel, like we don't just turn into an angel. They are created beings just like we are created. This isn't like a Hinduism where we reincarnate into an angel when we die. So that's just a quick aside. We do not turn into angels. Your loved ones do not turn into angels. So there's a fun fact for you tonight. 
So we see, therefore, it's connecting the message of chapter 1 to chapter 2. It says we must pay much close attention. A little bit different wording there, but we must pay close attention. And this idea of must, when you look it up, it means absolutely necessary. It's absolutely necessary for you to pay attention. Okay, what are we paying attention to? We'll get to that. It says to what we have heard. So you must absolutely pay attention. It's absolutely necessary for you to pay attention to what we have heard. Okay, what we have, what, what is it that we've heard? Well, let's kind of look back to chapter 1. Let me run through a list. I ran through it before, and we're going to add just a couple things what we learned last week. What did we learn about Jesus in the first two messages that we've had in the book of Hebrews? We've learned that he's the heir of all things. He is creator. He upholds and sustains the universe. He made purification for sins. He is seated down with authority. He is greater than angels. He is to be worshipped. His throne is forever. He laid the foundation of the earth, and he does not change. Those are things that we've learned about Jesus in just a single chapter. Now, uh, we encourage, we're reading through the Bible as, as a student ministry. You guys see that on our social media. But guys, if you want to just deep dive into scripture, you guys will spend a lot of time in just a short amount of verses, right? I spent about 25, 30 minutes going through four verses. There's some quiet times that I'm spending 30 minutes on one verse. There is so much in these verses and there's so much in the descriptions of who Jesus is in just the first chapter of Hebrews. And that should perk our attention. That should get our attention to see how good and glorious Jesus is. But it shouldn't be just something that we hear and we kind of go off and we forget about. It should impact us. Albert Moeller says this, hearing the word of God rightly is a spiritual hearing, one that involves believing, obeying, and submitting what is heard. Right hearing is a more of a matter of the heart than a function of the hear. We must hear it with our hearts. Many times we come into class or maybe, maybe I'll say it this way. Maybe you're at home and your mom and dad tell you something. Parents, what you probably experience is that it goes in this ear and goes out the other ear. Does that, is that, amen, does that happen to you kids sometimes? Right? We hear something and we just allow it to come through and go out. We're not listening to it. We're not hearing it. We're not taking it in. And y'all, let that never be said of us when we're talking about God's word. Let it never fall on deaf ears. May it Never just go in one ear and out the other ear. It is God's living and active word and has an impact on our life. So when we look at all those descriptions of Jesus, that should hit us. That should not just, oh, yeah, that's a good thing. I'll, I'll talk about it next Wednesday or next Sunday when I come back. No, we should now live differently because of that knowledge, that we should learn it, that we should live by it. We should obey and believe it and submit to what we are hearing. I mean, y'all, how many lessons, how many messages have you heard from the student ministry, from connect groups to D groups to midweek? Our goal is for you not to come in here and just listen to us for 30 minutes to an hour and just go and, and, and keep living your life differently, live your life the same. Guys, we're trying to teach you God's word which changes you, which sanctifies you, which chips away at our selfish being and our selfish identity. What you hear in your quiet times, what you hear on a Wednesday night, what you hear on Sunday morning, are you thinking about those things? Are those impacting you in a way on the athletic field or in the classroom or when someone comes up to you with that juicy gossip that you just want to keep on keeping on or that opportunity to bully someone and put them down and elevate yourself? 
Are we heeding God's word? Are we submitting to God's word and the message that we have? Because when we see this grand picture of Jesus, that also comes with a small picture of ourselves, right? When we see Jesus in his rightful place, that means we're not king or queen of our kingdom. It means we don't have a throne. It means we're on our knees before the Lord Jesus. I want you to hear this. Your posture will determine your path. Your posture will determine your path. If you posture yourself before the Lord saying, I will submit, I will obey to what your word says, to what your message is, I will follow it. Your path will show that. When you are in your room with the door closed and you're in your quiet times, you're seeking the Lord, you're paying attention to him, you're posturing yourself in, in awe and wonder of him, your path will show that. The way you treat people, the way you speak to people, the way you honor the Lord, the way you honor your mom and your dad, that will show when your posture is before Jesus humbly. But it will also show when your posture is not that. When your posture is you're trying to build your little kingdom, you've got your throne and you're trying to push people down so you can elevate yourself and look better. Y'all ever done that before? Y'all ever get stuck in that trap before where we're self-consumed? There are so many self-consumed people. We can all be self-consumed with, with us. We want to put a better picture of us, a better facade in front of people. But that will show in our actions. That will show in our path. The way we treat people, the way we honor them, the way we speak to them, the way we probably don't even witness to them because we are so focused on ourselves. So your posture will term, determine your path. To end verse 1, it says, lest we drift from it. Lest we drift from it. This, this is imagery of a ship on an ocean. Uh, this is an imagery uh, that, that is shown throughout the book of Hebrews. When you have a boat on the ocean and you turn the motor off and you're just sitting there, what's going to happen? Are you just going to stay in one spot the entire time? No, you're going to go side to side and you're going to go miles that way and miles that way and you ain't know where you are, right? You're just going to be out on an island somewhere because you just keep drifting and drifting and drifting. Later on in Hebrews 6, 19, it talks about Jesus is the anchor of our soul. He's the anchor of our soul. Continuing this imagery that we don't have to drift, we don't have to go side to side because we have an anchor and his name is Jesus. Now, I want it to be clear. You cannot lose your salvation. This is not what this passage is talking about, lest we drift from it. You cannot lose your salvation. Jesus is the anchor. That's never because you do this, this, and this. doesn't mean that anchor is going to be pulled up and you said, nope, I'm going to the next boat to anchor them down. That's not happening. When you are saved, you are saved for eternity. But when you are truly saved. Dean and Sarah wrote a book called The Unsaved Christian that speaks a lot to the Bible Belt. Oklahoma is what is considered to be in the Bible Belt. And uh, you have a ton of people that believe they're Christians that are not. There are probably tens of thousands of people that maybe even in Oklahoma, even across America, that believe they're Christians, but they're actually not. Maybe they think they're a Christian because their parents are. Oh, well, I've always grown up in a Christian household. I, I'm a follower of Jesus. Have you submitted your life to Jesus? Have you, have you uh, repented of your sins and trusted him and he's the Lord of your life that you're following? There's some people that believe just because I vote Republican means I'm a Christian. I have the values of the Republican Party, so I'm a Christian. Well, don't work like that. Have you submitted your life to Jesus? Have you submitted your life? If you submitted your life to Jesus and he's the Lord of your life, you are a follower of Jesus. 
That's where the anchor is. But there are too many people that believe that they're Christians, but they're just putting a facade up when they come on Wednesdays. They're like, oh, I'm a Christian because I, could, I come to Quail Springs Baptist Church on Wednesdays, on Sundays. I walk the walk, right? I look the look, but I actually have no relationship with Jesus. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you do not have salvation. How do we stay away from drifting? We're a believer. How do we stay away from drifting? Because y'all ever been in a dry season before where you feel like, man, I haven't, I haven't had a, a quiet time in about a week, two weeks, three weeks, and the weeks keep on going and maybe the months keep on going. You feel like God's not listening. You feel like you haven't been praying. You haven't been spending time. You haven't been paying attention to Jesus, and you just feel empty. Y'all ever been in that before? I have. How do we get away from that? How do we not allow that to happen? Pay attention to Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus and posture yourself before him day after day after day. Second point, we must understand the consequences. We must understand the consequences. Hebrews 2, verse 2. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Now, in seventh grade, I was in algebra half, and I, I enjoyed the class. Uh, I really enjoyed my teacher. His name was Mr. Petticord. Uh, Mr. Petticord was a quirky old man that had a little twang, and he had big rim glasses, and everybody loved Mr. Petticord. He had nicknames and everything that people would just, uh, just laugh at and enjoy. But everybody understood, don't get in trouble in Mr. Petticord's class. He, you got a consequence that you probably won't like. We all understood this. One day, Mr. Petticord was late to class, so I'm sitting by my best friend, AJ. My neighbor is on all the teams with me, and we, we just start messing around. We start wrestling, and you know, I put him in like a chokehold, and all of a sudden, while I got him in that chokehold, Mr. Petticord walks into the class. I was like, it! he doesn't even break stride. He just keeps walking. He goes, Dylan Bone, see me after class, and he just gets me right there, right in front of everybody, and I'm like, it! okay, here we go. I'll, I'll go see him after class. I go to after class. He goes, I come up to his desk and he goes, Dylan, you will write 50 sentences. Be nice to all students. And I'm just looking at you. I'm like, man, you got me writing sentences. Come on, man. We all understood. You got in trouble with Mr. Petticord's class. You had to write sentences. Y'all ever written sentences in class? Y'all ever get in trouble? Okay, I'm good. That's, no one likes that. No one likes to write sentences. Y'all can probably just tell the AI chat box to, to write your sentences for you. That's something else. Don't do that, by the way. Do not do that. That is sinful. Uh, Verse 2, for since the message declared by angels, so the author is making a transition there. He's not talking about the message of Jesus anymore. He's talking about the message declared by who? Angels, by the angels. So again, he's contrasting. Remember that Jesus is greater than the angels. His message is greater than the angels, and he is the messenger that is greater than the angel, angels. So there is a message declared by the angels which proved to be reliable. And every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. So we see that angels, their message proved to be reliable. God used angels to be messengers, to go send out the message, to go deliver messages to his people. We see that in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 33. Moses is talking about the angels coming down with the law, coming on Mount Sinai. He says 10,000 holy ones came down. He's talking about the angels, they're delivering the message. Acts 7.32 tells us that same story. So we see at the birth of Jesus, right? Angels were, were uh, 
sending a message to get people to, to baby Jesus. So we see that they are messengers and their message is reliable because it's coming from, the God, from God and they're being sent out by God. But we see in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, that if you did not obey the law, if you did not obey this message, if you chose to, if you chose to obey, you receive life, and if you did not, you receive death. So he, he's about to contrast angels and Jesus again. So angels' message, it's reliable. But if you messed up, if you do not obey, every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. You got a just punishment. You got a just consequence for your actions. Verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? So he's jumping back to Jesus here. If you get a consequence for not obeying the angel's message, how much greater is that consequence if you do not heed Jesus' message? What's Jesus' message? Jesus' message is that we're all sinners. Scripture says that. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What does that sin earn us? It earns us eternal damnation in hell. That's what it is. Eternity in hell. That's the consequence of our sins. Yet we're in this brokenness that we're continuing to pursue different identities and different satisfaction out of things of this world. Yet God had a solution, didn't leave us there. He sent his son Jesus to take our place, to die on the cross, to take our judgment upon himself. He defeated death and rose three days later. That is the message of Jesus, the great salvation that we can have salvation because of him. If we neglect that, we know what Romans 6.23 says, the result. What's our consequence? It's eternity in hell. That's what our sins have earned us. So if we neglect that great salvation, that's what we're, we're, we're neglecting. We're neglecting salvation. But also if we're believers here, we're neglecting flourishing. Because if we live within God's design, we're living in what God has called us to. And when we go outside of that, we begin to pursue brokenness and we receive brokenness. So we must be aware of the consequences of neglecting the message of Jesus. But also neglecting it on not telling other people. If we understand the consequence of ne neglecting the message of Jesus, why in the world are we not telling our friends that don't know Jesus? Like this should give, this should compel us to, because we see, if we don't have Jesus, we get hell. If we get Jesus, we get eternity and him. He, we get his presence every single day. We must understand the consequences and allow that to compel us to obey and tell others about him. So we see we're to pay attention to Jesus, to understand the consequences, and thirdly and lastly comes the question, do you believe it? Do you believe it, Jesus, his message. Hebrews 3, and the, the rest of verse 3 and verse 4. It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to his will. So we see, again, we're going back to Jesus. We're going back to his message. And what the author is doing here, he's wanting to bolster this, the evidence for you to believe that the message of Jesus is true. It is true. And the question is, do we believe it? It says this message was first declared by the Lord. And this idea of declare is this idea of speaking, of speaking. And we know when God speaks, big things happen, right? God spoke, the world was created. God spoke, the heavens were created. God spoke everything into existence. So when God speaks, 
there's power behind it. So the message, the plan, the person of Jesus was spoken. And that's heavy for us. That should be compelling for us. So he's, he's bolstering his evidence. It was declared first by the Lord, and it was attested by those who heard. This idea of attesting, again, is trying to bring reliability to what is being told. So it's attested to those who heard. Now here's something about the audience. They were not eyewitnesses to the resurrection. They did not see Jesus rise from the grave. But the apostles did. They were eyewitnesses. And this message traveled from the apostles to these people. That they heard of the message of Jesus dying and resurrecting. And this is important for us to understand because the apostles, they had a mission. They had a role that they saw Jesus resurrected that they, they needed to go tell other people, right? They needed to go tell that Jesus is not dead. He's in fact alive. We are not apostles. We were not eyewitnesses to the resurrection. But we have a plan and we have a mission that we see in Scripture that we're called to go and do the same, to go tell others of the message of Jesus. Because raise your hand if someone told you about the message of Jesus. Raise your hand if someone's told you about that. Right? We're all raising our hands because we've all been told about the message of Jesus. And many of us have surrendered our lives to Jesus and our eternity is different and our life right now is different. Who's that person you can share the message with? Who's that person in your classroom, in your family, in your friend group, on your team, in your club that you can bring the message of Jesus to? Because there's consequences for that person if they don't know Jesus and surrender their lives to him. Who are we reaching? Who are we praying for and talking to? So we're bolstering the evidence. It was declared by the Lord. It was attested by those who had heard. Verse 4, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So he's talking about God bore witnesses by many signs and, and miracles and wonders. So we see Jesus does these miracles, right? Jesus produces more bread. He produces more fish. He heals the leper. He heals the blind. He raises Lazarus from the dead. He does all of these miracles. Now, is the point of those miracles for the people who be like, man, this bread is so good. Is this sourdough? I mean, like that Jesus bread is so good. And this person's like, oh, my skin, it's never been this smooth before. Y'all check out my skin. That's not the point of the miracles. What's the point of the miracles? It's to show the authority of Jesus. It's, it's meant to point to the identity of Jesus as the son of God who has all authority. Remember, he's the creator, the sustainer. His throne is forever. He's immutable. He does not change. Miracles that were done were meant to point to the sovereignty, to the omniscience, omnipresence, and omnipotence of God. To see and people to look, okay, his message is true because we see these miracles and wonders and signs. But we also see, it says, and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. If you're a believer, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you've given your life to Jesus, you have spiritual gifts. Now, we don't have time to jump in to all those spiritual gifts, but you do have spiritual gifts. Now, those gifts, whether it be exhortation or teaching or prophecy or whatever it is, those are not meant for your fame. Those are not meant for you to just feel good about yourself. They're meant to point people to Jesus and meant to build up the church. So, again... There's more evidence that the message of Jesus is true. It was declared by the Lord. 
It was attested by those who had heard. It was seen through the miracles and signs and wonders of God. And we see it through the power of the Holy Spirit in each of us. That people would see, where, where in the world does that come from? And you point to Jesus and honor him and glorify him and tell others about him. We live in a world that is distracted. Distracted from sunrise to sunset. From when you roll out of bed to that notification rather than your Bible. You guys have protests outside of your schools. You're being told what to believe. You guys are being distracted. Hey, focus on this. Hey, your sports is the biggest thing in your life. To get a valedictorian is the biggest thing in your life. It should be your number one goal. Y'all, we're being distracted by so many things in our life. The number one reason, the number one thing that we should focus on is Jesus. Pay attention to Jesus. So what does it matter for us as a high schooler? What does it matter that we get distracted? What's it matter that we're called to pay attention to Jesus, understand the consequences, and whether we believe it or not? It's just that. Y'all, if we're believers in this room, if if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, your number one goal in life, your number one mission in life is to honor him, pursue him, and tell others about him. That informs everything you do. The way you go to school, the way you hang out with friends, it determines everything you do. Your posture must be one that submits and follows Jesus rather than a posture of a poser that plays a facade on Sundays and Wednesdays. Your life is meant to be centered on Jesus. And that means reading his word. means seeking him every single day and talking to him. God's word is living and active. And if you don't know Jesus, you're like, so what? Why does it matter to me? The question is, do you believe it? The author is building the evidence of why you should believe it. We go into the manuscripts of Scripture, the the testimonies of Jesus. It's all true. And what is so important is that there are consequences for not following Jesus. And that's eternity in hell. And my plea for you, my hope for you, is that you would consider what the author says about Jesus in chapter 1. Do you believe Jesus, who he is, who he says he is? Do you believe who the author says he is and presents himself as, as the author of all creation, the one that upholds and sustains the universe, the one that is seated down with authority that's to be worshipped forever. His throne is forever. He does not change, and he loved you so much he sent his son to take your place on the cross. As Jonah and the band comes up to lead us in worship, I want you to take this time as we sing. Number one, to honor the Lord, to worship him, to to magnify his name, because we see in Scripture he's worthy of it. But I also want you to to maybe grab a friend, go to the side, come to the stage, and pray together. And say, hey, I want you to hold me accountable to pay attention to Jesus, that he's the number one thing in my life. Pray for accountability. Maybe it's something, hey, text me tomorrow morning, what am I reading? Text me after, what am I reading? What is that accountability you have in your life? And if you don't know Jesus, I want you to sit and ponder, maybe stand and and look at the words and ponder, do I believe Jesus is who he says he is? And I'll be in the back. We got leaders in the back that we want to come and discuss that with you, that you might place your faith in Jesus and follow him for the rest of your life. Let me pray as we begin to sing. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you care enough to communicate to us. God, I I praise you because you are worthy above everything. You're you're worthy of it all. 
God, I pray that we would stop being distracted by what this world throws at us and why this world gets us to look this way and that way and not on the mission you've given us. You've given us a mission to go and make disciples. And, Lord, we cannot do that if we don't spend time with you. Lord, it's the reason that we've kind of reconfigured what we do on Wednesday nights. Lord, we must be educated about who you are in order to worship you. And, Lord, it's because we know who you are and we worship you that we can go tell other people about you. And, God, I pray that would be true on a Wednesday night. But, Lord, I pray it would be true on a Monday morning, on a Thursday evening, on a Friday night, that we would pursue you above all, that we would not be distracted, that we would keep our eyes on you and the message before us to all of our friends and family that don't know you. God, may you be glorified and honored in this time of praise. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.